0: Finally, welcome back to another episode of End to End. We haven't talked in a while, in about two weeks or so, and we're back talking about some hockey news. We're finally in the conference finals. It's flown by, and a reason it has flown by is because your team, the Montreal Canadiens, absolutely shocked the hockey world by not only beating the Toronto Maple Leafs in round one, in game seven, once again, but they sweep the Winnipeg Jets in four straight. I mean... What an incredible scene in the NHL to have the fourth seed just upset both the first top dogs and the third place top dogs who were, I would say, favored, way favorited than these two teams. But here we are, the Montreal Canadiens are in the conference finals versus another team we will talk about. But the Montreal aspect, let's get to you, Joe, on that first.
1: Yeah, I can't lie. I did not see this coming with how bad the team was down the stretch um they barely made the playoffs like they won like on the second last game of the season basically the only thing i'll i will give them credit for is that they had to play 25 games in the final 43 days which is like essentially an nhl record like no teams had to ever do that before except vancouver who were like basically out of it by the time they even got back yeah like i like they were down 3-1 versus the leafs I don't know what changed from game four to five, but they have not trailed. Never mind, lost. They have not trailed <laughs> since that game, since game four but they lost four nothing. So uh, they're second. That's a second all time to only them in 1960 of never of not trailing in a game. So like the run that they're on is literally like <laughs> like like black magic. Like I don't know how else to explain it. Like all of a sudden like. The lines are just, they're just rolling four lines. They're rolling those big top 4D, eating up a ton of ice. Price has fucking been unbelievable for the most part. Um, He's proving a lot of people wrong, including myself. (laughs) (laughs) I did not think he was capable of this anymore. I know he was solid in the bubble uh, last year, but like just, uh, of course, he, he came back from injury. So he had a lot of rest going in and a lot of rust but that really, I guess, helped him out. He worked on his mechanics when he was, you know, rehabbing and stuff. So in case it worked out for him. So Montreal, they're, like you said, they're in the conference finals for the first time since 2014. And just the run that they're on is just like, I have no words to describe (laughs) it anymore.
0: Yeah. Seven straight wins. I mean, they haven't, they hadn't done the four straight or five straight wins in nearly like four seasons and by dating back to 2017, I believe. So, yeah, this team, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose Game 1 against Vegas, who there is that that is their opponent for Game 1. But, hey, we've seen stranger things happen. But I, I was laughing the whole time talking about Price because in 2019, when we did the podcast with Flager on the pod, we you asked the question, will Carey Price be on the Habs roster next year? And we both said yes, but you seemed to think it was going to be a no. So, I mean... <laughs>
1: I know. Like I said, he's proved me wrong. And I will never say shit about him ever again, even if he has an 800 save percentage in this series.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, you can't right now because he's on the hottest streak in probably the NHL right now. I mean, McKinnon was on the hot streak. Campbell even was probably statistically better than Price in that series in the Leafs. But, like, Price is just keeping the Habs in games. And, you know, I I, I gotta be honest, I didn't really watch that Winnipeg Habs series just because I was so frustrated uh, with the Leafs' loss. But I mean, that's, like, old news now, irrelevant news because they're out of it. But the Habs are on a great run. I mean, like, and I think it's fair to say, like, maybe a couple guys are stepping up, but they're getting a, like you said, a four, all four-line team game. And, like, there's not a few people playing good, playing bad. There's some, obviously, people playing bad, but it's a team effort.
1: Yeah, like, like like you said, like, they're just rolling four lines. Like, they have three or four guys that have four goals each, I think like Tafoli, Armia uh, has four Suzuki, I think has four. So they got like four goals from like basically every line or so. I mean the Gallagher and the no line, like those guys are like the shutdown line and they've been doing their job to t so far through two rounds, shutting down Matthews and Marner and then like Connor, Ehlers, Wheeler, Dubois, who we can get into if you want the Winnipeg Jets, just in general, and yeah. how awful they were in that series and the whole Shifley thing, if you want. But um yeah they just the each line has like their own thing like Mm -hmm. right now the third line could hopefully start to get going soon but i i can't complain whatsoever i mean even for the series upcoming versus vegas like i see no shot of them winning that unless they like i said like just continue this black magic shit that they're doing (laughs) but yeah it's been a fun run so far
0: yeah and i was talking about bad players on the team i think the worst player i've really notice on Montreal Canadiens hasn't been doing good is Josh Anderson I mean god he's been invisible since game one of the Leaf series
1: he has been <laughs> I don't know if he's injured I don't know I don't want to make assumptions because we dude, we made that assumption with Dubois and he wasn't <laughs> 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 I brutal he was through the playoffs but I don't know he could be injured potentially I mean he doesn't look as fast as he did like even like you said in game one so maybe something happened but I mean, he's playing every night, so it must be yeah. something that he can overcome. But yeah, he's been definitely really disappointing.
0: Yep, total team effort from the Habs, and not so team effort for the team they just beat—the Winnipeg Jets, who we'll get to right now. I mean, talked about Dubois said in the press conference he wasn't mm-hmm. injured. Sure, looked like he was, but uh, yeah pretty rough start and pretty like end, bad end to his Winnipeg Jets debut season. Right, so. I mean, that team with the Shifley thing, the four games he got, people are still mad. People are still being mad. And he's still mad, which I don't really get.
1: Yeah, like it was his fault. It's not like he did something that was like, you know, kind of like borderline, like, you know, like a split second thing. Like the guy skated all the way down the ice to stop a goal which he could have done with his stick he could have easily just poke checked it away he he was right there too he could have done it but he decided to just lay out evans because he was frustrated all game knocked him out of the series knocked himself out of the series and he's upset from the punishment like it was such a stupid play like i know people are saying like it wasn't like a hit to the head or anything but it was more it like matter. like you literally almost knocked like, knock the guy out still mm-hmm. like you flew 200 feet to basically just lay into him.
0: Yeah. Um, and I was going to say like, when the hell is the last time that's happened?
1: No, I know that's never. why it was, it was like a unique situation too. Like I've never seen anything yeah. like that where someone got like basically <laughs> like suspended for charging. Cause that's yeah. basically what it was. Um, but yeah, like he has to own up to it. That's the part that, uh, that pisses me off. He's yeah. not owning up to it. He's basically mm-hmm. making excuses to like, buddy, it was your fucking fault. like, <laughs> no one told you to, to lay him out like that and to skate 200 feet like yeah you're trying to prevent a goal the puck was already in the net before you even got there if you really want to make an effort you go for the stick and make a hockey play hitting him like that is not a hockey play I don't care whatever he i don't care what he says trying to defend himself still
0: yeah and I don't really like I haven't heard anyone else on his team really defending him either that's the sad part about everything going on with this like I haven't seen Paul Maurice, who's a player's coach, would defend him at all. So. Yeah.
1: Like, he defended him before the suspension came out, like, saying, like, oh, oh whatever, a split-second decision. But they haven't said – like you said, they haven't said anything since or, like, after they got eliminated, which t- is telling, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that whole team, I we said from – I think we actually previewed this when they got in the playoffs. We said McDavid was going to really – uh diminish that hockey team and that defense core. And they obviously didn't, they got swept, but that Montreal, like they really actually exposed that decor. core.
1: Yeah, I've been saying it for a long time. They are not good defensively whatsoever. Even just their forwards are not good defensively. I don't know if it's the system they play, but they basically I say to Connor Hellebuck, like make forty-five saves a game, and then we I may mean, have a chance to win. It's like it's not gonna. <laughs> it's not fuck. good. Enough. Like literally, in game four, your backs are against the wall, yeah. and you have sixteen shots on goal. Sixteen.
0: And the Habs had like Habs thirty-nine. Had, four,
1: had like yeah, like. 40 something when the game was over it's like yeah. what the hell do you want Hellebuck to do score for you as well
0: nope guess he can't really do that and you know i think it's fair to say they didn't really have goal scorers on their team in that series right they lost shifley ehlers was a bit wandering Kyle connor didn't really do anything blake wheeler pierre Luc dubois mark shifley obviously outright so i mean just uh I, weird things have happened right we've seen a few years ago where uh the team that's so the Islanders swept the Penguins. They got swept, and the team they that swept them got swept in the conference final. So is it going to happen again? I don't know. Is history going to repeat itself? I don't know. But I would give the, the Montreal Canadiens a chance to win this series. I don't think anyone really should anymore. Don't give no chance, right? So
1: yeah, you can't say that they'll get swept. That's for sure. No, They've already yeah. proved that twice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm no, I'm not saying a sweep, but maybe six games for Vegas. I don't know. I, I, can can see it going, I can see it going seven.
1: They have to win at two in Vegas if they want to go seven.
0: <laughs> that's true because that building will be rocking. And I, I'm sure, I, I think, really think that the Montreal Canadiens are not going to have the same capacity, obviously, because I think that's nearly impossible, but they're going to bring a lot more people in the stands.
1: I know they're working on trying to get more for game three and four. I don't know how much more because they just literally opened it up like two weeks ago. So I don't know if you're going to go from 2,500 to like 10,000 maybe 5,000 yeah I'd be my hope anyways
0: yeah and we're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights perfect time to talk about their series with the Colorado Avalanche I mean I think the Avalanche are a bigger story in this series just because they lost four straight games to lose this lose this one in game six and you know I think people a lot of people counted the Vegas Golden Knights after game one where we saw a seven or six one win for Colorado and I wasn't one of those people. I said Vegas is going to come back, not come back and win the series. I had Colorado in six, but just look a, lot, look a lot better. And they did from game two all the way to game six. I ca- I can't see anyone picking the avalanche to be the better team in game two, three, four, and five and six. Like they were just very worse than the Golden Knights throughout that series.
1: Yeah, like, like you said, like Vegas deserved to win that series 100%. Like they were down 2-0. They came all the way back. They won four straight. I mean, Colorado had the game in game five, and they had so many stupid, like, turnovers and mistakes that end up in the back of their net, including, yeah. like, the stone overtime winner. Um, but I think my issue with Colorado now that they're eliminated is that their decor is just way too young and inexperienced. I know Eric Johnson. I think the guy we need to send a bell card out for him because I have no idea where he is. I don't know if yeah. he's hurt. Like, yeah, he's no, hurt. No one, like, really knows, like, what's up with that guy really anymore. But he was kind of like their veteran presence on that team. Like they just don't have enough experience back there. And Vegas took full advantage of that when they were running around in their, their own zone on uh, multiple occasions during goals yesterday, even yep. especially like the first goal, the second goal, they're just running around like that crossing pass from Martinez to Carlson. That can't happen in the playoffs. Um, and just group bar wasn't good enough uh for most of the series i would say i'm not going to totally blame him but like when you needed a big save he didn't provide it really um but they're just like there wasn't really many excuses for colorado this year and why they lost like for me like this is like the third year in a row where we're saying they're they're gonna win the cup and they get out in the second round last year was valid because they had literally had michael hutchinson starting a net for them for half that dallas series um so that's valid, and you had a lot of other injuries as well. Landis I think, was out. But this year, there's not really any excuses, and I don't really know where they go from here. I know Sod's a UFA. Um, I don't know how much cap space they have. Landis Landeskog's a UFA. their captain, they have to re-sign for sure. And potentially, and Grubauer's a UFA as well. So they have to figure out what they're going to do with that. And I would say you have to add a, a veteran four defenseman, like a four-five guy, to just stabilize the blue line because it's just too young.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how they do that just cuz like their guys are great who are there but like like you said the experience may be a factor in there but I don't know how I don't know how one of those guys is going to take a third pairing role on I just I don't really see that happening but timely save by Grubauer, you needed one of those and I'm just looking at the schedule uh for the Vegas Golden Knights and I'm just looking at the past scores and their four wins uh Colorado had 5 6 eight goals in four games, which is not great because the Colorado Avalanche can score and they didn't really score in the last couple games. So, yeah, it's a weird one because they're the favorites. They're the Washington Capital 2.0 I've seen out there on Twitter. So, I mean, that's a very, very solid comparison. If you're comparing a team with high expectations going to the playoffs with a perennial superstar on the forward front and they just can't get it done. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, excuses could have been made last year with injuries like you said but this year it was like what you just ran into a very good team who solved you
1: yeah that's basically what happened like pete de perennial choker as one of our buddies always calls him they he really out coached uh jared bednar this years especially like from two, after like in game three onwards um just complete they completely shut down colorado in the neutral zone basically daring them to dump it in and they never did like They just kept trying to go through the blue line. They would stack three guys, and that was it. They would turn it over, and that was the series.
0: Yeah, and I've also seen on Twitter, there was another guy who got suspended for the Avalanche, and this is his third straight, not series, but third straight time. where he. Sorry, okay. There's been four series he's been in, three of them he's got suspended in, and he missed the last games of his team getting eliminated. Is he a problem? Nazem Kadri,
1: big, big problem. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what you do with them. The guy single-handedly has cost his teams, both the Leafs and the Avalanche. I would say, I wouldn't say the series, but he played a big role in them not winning it. Let's just say mm-hmm. that maybe not in completely outright winning, but definitely played a part in losing. Like he just doesn't learn his goddamn lesson, and it's so frustrating because he's like a guy that could score twenty-five goals, like no problem, like. He plays on that edge, obviously, but he just doesn't learn. And at this point, like, if I'm his teammates, I'm like, I don't want him on my team anymore. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Like Toronto, like he basically had himself traded out of Toronto. Like that was him doing that. He traded himself. Yeah, he he traded himself. And then with Colorado, this is now they, they got screwed again. I mean, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that they would have won this series with them. But he's a he's a factor. Like when he plays, he's like an X factor. So I really don't know where they go from here, the Colorado Avalanche with them. Like he's got, I think, one or two years left on his deal at four and a half, which is a good contract, but he's unreliable. You can't trust Mm -hmm.
0: him. Yep. And that's the issue, the trust issue. Do you trust your goalie night who can make a save at a time? Clearly they didn't this year. Can you trust a basically a two number two center on your team? No, he was out. So Colorado's got them. Got some things to do, and another team that starts with a C is the Carolina Hurricanes. Who, I don't know if we're going to use the word choke, but I mean, you finish first place. I know you're versus the Lightning. There, Lightning are probably favored in the series, to be honest. But five games, really. Again, we're doing this.
1: Yeah, they like you said they 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 ran into the Lightning, so I wouldn't completely outright say they choked, but. I was expecting that to go yeah. six seven if you're that good. You won the central division. Yep. Um, you have an amazing blue line, a very talented forward group. They were a little bit banged up. You know, Ryder missed basically the whole series. Trocheck missed most of it, which which, you know, doesn't help the team whatsoever. But it was more a lack of goal scoring, especially at home. Like they, I think they only scored three or four goals at home in the three games, which is awful. Like, they lost 2-1, 2-1, and 2-0, I think. So, even less than that. Um, and Njelkovic, for how good he played during the regular season and, and most of the games, he, he every game he yeah. played, he let in a backbreaking goal that killed the team every game. And that's, they just couldn't recover from it. Like In game one, it was that Coleman one off the ice, or uh, Goudreau, I think. That was brutal. Then in game two is one nothing late in the second or something from Killorn. And then the two nothing goal from Ross Colton off the wing just goes right under his glove. Like, you have to save that? (laughs) Like, it's just like he played so good, but then he lets in those backbreaking goals and the team just lit just can recover from it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about another team with UFAs on the board, there's Dougie Hamilton, Mrazic, Reimer, Nedeljkovic, they're all UFA, so they need to bring at least two back. And then RFA, obviously, have Svechnikov. So, I mean, it doesn't matter the money at this point for those teams. I think it's whether they not want to show up in the playoffs, but like, is it, Are you? do you want to spend the amount of years with these guys who can't really get over you over the hump in a sense? Because the Carolina Hurricanes, their last three elimination series have been... Versus the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins, and the Tampa Bay thing. And they've only took two games away from those teams.
1: Yeah, that's not good enough. Um, One thing I will say is that the team is still relatively young. Even with Njelkovic, I think he's like 24, 25. So it's not like they're kind of like an over-the-hill team. They're still kind of – they're more younger, I would say. They're kind of like the Leafs, but like they've won a few rounds, unfortunately. (laughs) I don't want want to say it, but –
0: No, no, you're right.
1: Um, I mean, Rod Reddymore. They have a great coach who they have to bring back as and well. And
0: yeah, he's UFA. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's UFA as well. Um, one thing that 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 pisses me off all the time now is how everyone notes that Tampa is eighteen million above the cap.
0: Oh my god!
1: There is no rule that doesn't allow them to be a hundred million over the cap when the playoffs come. So why isn't your GM, who's getting paid millions of dollars, doing the same thing that Julian Breesba is doing? I don't see anything wrong with it. It's, it's within the rules. It's the rules that have to change. Why are you blaming Tampa Bay for for using the rules that they're, they're completely legal? They're using LTIR. They're saying, "Oh, Kucherov could have came back. The guy still would have been out four and a half months with a torn hip yeah. that he had in December." So I don't know what more you want. What if What if Kucherov came back and he? he was rusty and he did all and he couldn't keep up anymore and they lose what are you going to say hamilton you're going to say hey we beat a team with 18 million over the seller cap hmm. no that's not an excuse your your team your gm is able to do the exact same thing and you and you actually spent two million under the cap going into the playoffs so that should be a message to him not to tampa bay
0: yeah <laughs> i mean like it's a it's a, not a crybaby excuse maybe in the sense but it's like you got one win versus that team though. Like it's not like it went seven.
1: I know. And you got outplayed in most of the, like 95% of the games.
0: Like, uh, I don't know what, yeah, whatever. You can say a lot of things about like cap scenario and whatever, but the Tampa Lightning are still great. So I don't, I don't really care, but, um, they won the
1: cup without Stamkos last year. They weren't complaining. Exactly.
0: exactly. Yeah. I think they want him in the lineup fully time in the playoffs. So not to sit out with millions of dollars on the books. Right. So, um, I think we can move on, but there is this year again, I uh, don't know. We could talk about them. The Islanders. I mean, they just do it again. <laughs> they did it again. Like I had them in six in this series versus the Bruins, but I did not have them in the conference finals. So I, I don't, if there's a team in probably all North America, to be honest, all the North American sports, if there's a team that buys into a system plays under their coach, and plays a team game. It's the Islanders.
1: 100%. The team full of second, third liners, fourth liners, they just, they dominate it too. It's like some games they'll hold on for dear life, but then as you saw like in game six at home, they like, they dominated that game. And they just play that system to T. Trotz Mm -hmm. is like, we haven't talked about Trotz enough this year. He is the best coach in the NHL, I think, and he wasn't nominated for the award because the Islanders, I mean, They've been like this for the last three years now, really. It's nothing surprising. So, And they were also the fourth seed, but you have to also think. They've been playing with the captain, Andres Lee, who's their go-to goal scorer um, for like basically all situations. He plays shorthanded, power play, five-on-five, five, and they haven't had him since February. So, again, they're not making excuses. Their, their trade deadline acquisitions of Kyle Palmieri and Zajac have paid off in spades. That's Lamorello. <laughs> Mafia Lou for you over there. Um, but yeah, their culture ever since Lou and Trotz got there, just completely transformed the team. Every single player they brought in buys into the system. It's not like they haven't made any moves either. Like I said, they made those two trades. They brought in Pajot last year. They signed Varlamov. You know, they have, they have a pretty decent decor as well. Pelik and Polak. Are yeah, like, they look great. They're, they're a really good shutdown uh, D pairing. Um, and they just they just win. They just continue to win. They don't have the most star power. They have Barzell, but he's he has like a leash on him basically all the time now. But I don't know. Like their fan base is absolutely wild. So you gotta give props to them. That's back to back conference finals appearances for them.
0: Versus the same team.
1: Yeah. Three out of <laughs> the four teams left are from last year.
0: I mean, like, is like is that really something to be mad at though? Like they're great teams. Yeah, two of the two of
1: them. I'm not surprised at all. Islanders. I'll be honest. I'm surprised they got there again. Montreal is a complete shock <laughs> to everyone, including me. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like you said, Anders Lee. Like their captain is out. Like, and they're still doing this. Like, it's pretty incredible. They have Leo Komarov on the first line with Barzell.
1: I, I know it just works. Like he goes to the net, whatever. He gets the puck. He pisses off the other team. Like it just works
0: yeah and they had goalie issues in the playoffs Sorokin Varlamov don't they, matter
1: who's in that and they would
0: <laughs> yeah they still get it done imagine this team with Devontae's oh my god uh, yeah. so this team is a wagon we got a lot of teams who are in the conference finals are wagons but we'll see what happens could the Vegas Golden Knights lose another conference final and could the New York Islanders lose another conference final we'll see um some not-so-losers. Not, not uh, Team Canada has won the double IHF World Hockey Championship. They won gold last Sunday. That was like an Islanders kind of moment where they – I don't know how they did it because they started off, I think, 0-2, 0-3 and had, like, one goal, and they beat Russia. They knock off the States, and they knock off Finland in overtime. So, I mean, congrats to them for doing that. Andrew Mangiapane, MVP of the tournament. He steps in, I guess, three games into the tournament, wins MVP. That's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, you could probably speak more to this because you really enjoy watching the double the world championships. But I only watch I won't I won't lie, I only watch the semis in the finals. And Owen Power at times looked a bit shaky. Like I made that comment in that group chat. But like he like he really did stabilize his play, especially in the finals. Um, he is like he's obviously supposed to be the projected number one overall pick in this upcoming draft going to Buffalo, like 99% most likely. Um, I'm th- I mean, that team was just a ragtag group of guys. Like they had a lot of guys that said no to go because of yeah. the, comp- the condensed season. So that posed a big challenge to them. Luongo probably didn't build the team that he originally intended for sure. Cause he had a lot of guys say no. So it was honestly like a miracle run that they won the whole entire tournament. I just they squeaked into the knockout stages because I think Germany didn't go to overtime or something Mm. with Finland or something like that. It was crazy that they had to get that luck to get in and they just took off from there and never looked back.
0: Yep. So congrats to team Canada there. We'll hopefully see a better roster, but I don't know the silenters formality, maybe better doesn't mean more winning, maybe worse means winning. So I don't know. (laughs) We'll see what happens in that next tournament, but we got the olympics coming up next year too so maybe we'll break down a roster and yeah so that's been team canada news uh columbus news we talked a lot of a lot of teams with the letter c at the top of their freaking name but columbus has obviously the let go of john Torrell, they parted ways but they hired brad larson as the new head coach so he was the assistant coach for i believe the last five or six years and Not many people know this name. I personally don't, and I can't speak on to him as his pedigree and stuff. But I assume this means that the organization was very familiar with this guy and uh, knew he could take the job over. And I think this is like I think the reason why they hired him is because obviously familiarity in the organization. But I don't think they wanted to get a coach that's ready to win because I don't think this team's ready to win as like right now. And I think Brad Larson, he's been close to the players, close to the young guys. So maybe he's the guy who can kind of develop them into, I guess, maybe stars or great players in this league. I don't know what your thoughts on this signing or this hiring is.
1: Yeah, like you said, I have no idea who this, who he is either. He's the assistant. I don't know if he did like power play or like offense, defense. I have no idea, but he's been there for a while. So like you said, there's that familiarity there. They rehired John Davidson as president of hockey yep. ops, and I really like him as a in that role. He really helped Columbus make that run a few years ago when they saw, made all those trades. They beat, they swept Tampa in the first round, and then he was also helping turn around the, the Rangers as well. Obviously, with some draft lottery help, but like <laughs> still some a lot of the other guys they they helped get Panarin over, so that was a big for them as well. So they, I like the, I like the leadership that they have there. I don't necessarily like the team because they don't have a center like yeah. at all, really, at, since they traded Dubois. But I mean, I I like their like organization. Like they seem like they kind of know what they're doing for the most part. Obviously, this year was a complete disaster, but that's a lot of variables for that. Mm-hmm. Especially for Dubois wanting to get traded and uh just his expiry date came up, like it always does every few years um but yeah i don't know what to expect from brad larson but we'll see what happens with columbus and maybe maybe he was close with lining and that could help like no one really knows so we'll see what happens further in the offseason
0: yeah and something further in the offseason that is going to be happening is is seth jones going to be on the team next year is he not he's a pending ufa and this is a guy who's really been that organization's probably best player over the few years. There's Cam Atkinson. There's other players like that. But this guy has been a stud on the blue line for them. I mean, that Rowenski-Jones pairing, are we going to see it again next year? Like, is is he done? Like, what do you see happening?
1: I think he's gone this offseason. I don't know where or what the return will be because he had a really bad year this year. And he's kind of regre- regressed in a lot of places in his game. So I don't know what like his market value would be right now. Probably if I have to guess a first and maybe a prospect.
0: Yeah, but he's a pending UFA though. I mean I think he has he... one year left. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, he has one year left at five and a half. So like whatever team he gets traded to, I would assume would have to re-sign him. But that would be like a stipulation. So maybe he does get more if that team agrees to a contract. But yeah, he has one year left. He said publicly he wants out, like a lot of guys in Columbus seem to do um so we'll see what happens there that's something to definitely track over the coming months
0: yeah and like you talked about the organization like they seem to know what they're doing but they've lost a lot of talent in the last few yeah, years. yeah
1: i don't know what it is but they seem to make like good hockey decisions <laughs> like even the trade deadline that they had for lino and Savard, they got two first round picks yeah. for those guys like i feel like that they know what they're doing I just, I don't know if it's something within the, like, there's no one likes Columbus. Like, I don't know what it is.
0: I think that might be the issue. Like, I'm not even trying to bash, like, come on,
1: come on. There's worse cities out there. Yeah. But is this there... is, the
0: this is the one where like, cause there's no nightlife,
1: I guess. I don't know.
0: I don't know, man. Like just I've been it... there
1: once. It's not the greatest, but
0: I don't know. <laughs> They've lost a lot of players in the last few years. And like, they're in a rebuild stage, so I get where Seth Jones is coming from. But also, management should be just like really cracking down to sign them. But at the end of the day, like whether his price tag is good or not, I think the management has to make a decision. And I think if the decision is his price tag is too high, then you got to move on from him. But yeah. we don't know what it is right now. Yep, for sure. Okay, so that's been the news. I think so. We've been talking about that. There has been awards uh, that have come out in the nominees, the top three nominees. That is. And I think we can predict them. I think we're ready to do that. I mean, like if we wait a few weeks, it could get a little like outdated, but I think we'll just do it now. So we have the Vesna, the Norris, the Masterton, Lady Bing, Calder, Selkie, Ted Lindsay, Jack Adams, and Hart. So I'll run through them and start with the Vesna, which was the first one, I think that was named. So the nominees, Philip Grubauer, Mark Andre Fleury, and Andre Vashlevsky. So, I mean, three of the, two of those guys are in the conference finals right now. So, clearly tells you how important and great they were this year. So, who do you have winning and who's your like dark horse in this one?
1: This is honestly a coin flip. Like, and that's like good for me saying that between Flurry and Vash. Like, I don't, I don't even know who would be my favorite. Like, Flurry, without him, Vegas would not be where they are. Same with Vash, but Flurry, like, Remember all those rumors he was out of town, they were gonna trade him, the whole backstabbing scenario. Leonard played most of the games last postseason and Flurry's putting up like some of the best numbers he's had in his career, and he's like thirty-six. So like I, I guess I would say Vash, but I would not be surprised whatsoever if Flurry won his first Vesna ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that is gonna factor into this thing, and I think I think Vash is going to win, but I think Flurry should win because just talk about the story. He's thirty six years old. He's never won one, and if there's a season to pick, Mark Andre Flurry for one, where he's actually nominated, and I think this is the one. Like,
1: yeah, it has to be. I mean, the guy's closing in on five hundred wins. He's like fourth all time in playoff wins. Like. He, the, he's breaking a bunch of records this yeah. year and he's playing at like an elite, elite level yep. still. So like, like I said, like if Vash wins, I won't be surprised, but if Flurry wins, I'll be like happy. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: No, it does make sense because it's the heartfelt story. It's what we need in this league right now. So, and he's been a big part of that team and what he's gone through the last few years, last year. Yeah, yeah, last year, I guess it's pretty remarkable that he's in the conversation, but here we are. So you have Vash. We both have Vash, but Flurry would like to see you win that. Yeah. So Norris, this one's a actually a very heated debate. It's Adam Fox, Victor Hedman, and Kale McCarr. In this one, I just want to kind of touch on the Hedman thing about this. Like, why does no one want him to win?
1: Uh, I don't know. They made it seem like he was the worst defenseman in hockey this year when he put up a point per game, playing hurt for probably half of it. They literally said he requires surgery and I believe he has 10 points in the playoffs. I don't know why people hate him so much. Maybe he's not playing as dominant as he was last cup, last playoff run and last season overall, but the guy's literally playing her t- requires surgery whenever Tampa's season end. Like, and he's still playing like 23, 4, 24 minutes a night, pretty effectively. I mean, they're in the conference finals and they've lost like three games. Like, I really don't know why people hate him so much. He's easily my favorite defenseman in the league. However, my pick for this would be McCarr, just because of how the guy's in his second year. Like, we keep forgetting that, even though it <laughs> feels like he's been in longer. He's in his second year. He had a point per game. He did miss some games with injury, but I think just more how impressive he is this early in his career is might tip the scales on uh, McCarr winning. But, like, Hedman, people are just crying that it's, like, yeah. a legacy award. It's, like, come on, man. Like, the guy's literally the best defenseman in the league still. It doesn't matter his reputation. Like, I'd take him over anyone in the league, really, other than maybe Makar. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'll, I'll pick Makar because I think he might win it this year. But, again, won't be surprised if Hedman wins because of reputation and people just getting absolutely outraged from their coach.
0: <laughs> yeah and like the word on twitter is overrated but like I, my terms overrated means they are not even in like the top 10 no conversation at all but he's in the conversation like he's literally nominated as top three but that's just me but uh winner of this one i think it's i think it's makar point per game 44 games played 44 points uh four for him and just an incredible season for makar and the avalanche until that elimination but that doesn't account for this award As a defenseman, to get point per game in this league is actually extremely hard, and not many players do that. Not many players, let alone defensemen, do that in this league, and Kel McCarr did it this year for the Avalanche. So I'm going to go the same as you with McCarr here. And, I mean, I I said last year that he was a top-10 defenseman. People were like, oh, no, he's not. We're not going to give him that title yet. It's too very early. But here we are next year talking about him winning the Norris potentially. So... And I think he's got a lot more gas in the tank and maybe another two to three uh, Norris trophies in the future.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Next one, the Masterton Award. This one is, I, th- I believe, dedication to hockey. I don't know exactly, but it's, I think, comeback player maybe as well. Uh, so the nominees, Patty Marlowe, Matt Dumba, and Oscar Lindblom. Uh, for me, I think it's a slam dunk for Limblom. Just came back in the bubble last year. Didn't, I don't think he won the award last year, to be honest, but this year I think he's a slam dunk to win. it. came back, played a full season with the Philly, Philly Flyers, and they weren't a great team this year, but Lindblom was a great story for them, and just him coming back from that is incredible.
1: Yeah, my slam dunk pick is uh, Lindblom as well. Like you said, came back from cancer. Like Not many players are able to do that, and it takes a lot of uh, courage and hard work and dedication to hockey to bring yourself back to that level let alone just living life. Like it's a big thing overcoming that. And you should be very proud of himself, Lim Blom for doing that. It's so young in his, his life, not even his career. Um, so yeah, this is Lim Blom. Don't have anything else to say. I don't even know why other guys are nominated for this, but it should be a unanimous win for Lim Blom.
0: Yeah. And like you said, like not many players come back from, let alone like they don't even come back from injury. Some people, and this guy came back from cancer. Mm Mm-hmm like so what like what a story that is I uh, hope he gets that award but honestly i feel like this award should be like i don't think there ever should be nominees really like i think it should just be one
1: that's what i think too like it's not fair like especially if one story is like significantly yeah. like more impactful than another like i'm i know dumbo was working a lot with kids like underprivileged kids to play hockey and like uh like black lives matter and equality in hockey. And then Marlo's there because the guy's – I don't even know why. He, <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> he beat Gordy Howe's record because the guy has some, like, blackmail on the Sharks organization if you bring him back. I don't know.
0: <laughs> so he's clearly not the favorite for you. Uh, no. Okay. Well, same for me here too.
1: He's there as a make-a-wish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that should be the award, make-a-wish. They should have one for Masterton, who actually has a good story and then make-a-wish for a guy who's just dedicated, old, and who just gets the award. Yeah. <laughs> Uh it's like Lady Bang the
1: Year award.
0: Yeah, maybe yeah. Patty Marlowe and Joe Thorne should definitely win that award. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to Lady Bang. Uh this is one of the least penalty minutes I believe sportsmen like to hockey. So Slavin, Spurgeon, and Matthews, two defensemen, one centerman. I mean, I think you said this in our group chat. Slavin's only penalty was a puck over glass, right? Yep. So I think that's the winner for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the
1: winner for me as well, especially with how. Hardy plays hockey. He's obviously a defensive defenseman. Cash was defending the toughest matchups every night. Um, I mean, two, penal- two penalty minutes. Literally puck over glass I saw on Twitter. So, like, how can you not give it to me? He basically had zero penalty minutes yeah. on, like, an actual player. So, I know Matthews obviously scored 40. I think he had, what, 10 penalty minutes? Yeah, something, something. like that, yeah. Spurgeon, I don't know how many he had. Probably he he had around six penalty minutes. Okay, Six but I have to give it to Slavin because literally he had two and it was a puck (laughs) over glass. Like that has to be given to him.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't even a egregious penalty. Wasn't slashing, tripping, hooking, like usually defensemen get beaten. I'm pretty sure he's gotten beaten in his season this year and he didn't really take a penalty. So Yeah. yeah, Jacob Slavin's that one for sure. So you go with the next one.
1: All right. This one is the Calder trophy. So it's awarded to the best rookie of the NHL season. So the nominees for this award are Kirill Kaprasov, who finally came over from Russia for Minnesota since as he was drafted in 2014. Nick Robertson, who kind of came out of oh, – sorry, Jason Robertson, that came out of nowhere. I think he was, what, a fourth round?
0: Pick? Something like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's he's a little bit older as well. He's at 9 – he's a 22. And then Najelkovich, who we spoke about during the Carolina series, had a great regular season overall. Another late – as the goalie for the Carolina hurricanes really helped stabilize them. I think he had a sub two goals against this year, which is really impressive. So all three of them are really uh, worthy of this award, but who do you have winning it?
0: Yeah. Like I don't want to, nah, it's probably slam dunk actually. never mind. <laughs> it's probably Kaprasov. I mean, guy just <laughs> was their best player this year in Minnesota and you know, for him to come over, a lot of people had a big expectations for him and he literally met all those expectations. I think he had 28 or 27 goals. And was there, like it's it's really tough for like a guy to come overseas. There's not many guys who come overseas and it is their best player for their team in their first ever season. I mean, Panarin came over. It was probably Kane who was the best player, but he was second. This guy was their best player, and I don't want to say he saved the franchise of Minnesota, but he's definitely their brightest spot they've ever had in that organization.
1: Yeah, he, like, completely reinvigorated the franchise. That one move that had him coming over changed how the public looked at him. They became a more exciting team to play. That's why when we get to a Coach of the Year award, he also had a part to play as well, the Coach of the Minnesota Wild. But, yeah, Kaprasov came over, was just absolute money this year. Minnesota finished third in their division, which is which was surprising. I didn't even have them making the playoffs going into the year. And they took Vegas to seven games, which is pretty impressive. They were down 3-1 as well. So, overall, a fantastic season for all these guys. But I'm also going with Kaprasov. Um, like you said, 28 goals as a rookie, even though he's he's older. Don't matter. That's the rules. Similar, similar with Tampa. That's the rules. You want the rules changed, you got to talk to the league, not blame <laughs> the guys that do it. So... Um, kaprasov was money this year so entertaining to watch so skilled and he is a really good player
0: yep for sure and we'll move on to the selkie award so this is the best uh best defender not best defender best player that is on forward that can play defense so i can go to a winger a centerman usually goes to a centerman but here we have another winger i think he got nominated last year but the nominees Barkov, stone bergeron I mean, these are all guys who are definitely deserving the award. It's going to be a very close race. And then I haven't really gone into like the uh, I haven't really dove into the stats, but people seem to think that Barkov is going to win this award. I don't know yet, but I would like to see Mark Stone win this one. A winger finally getting this award. It'd be pretty cool to see. So I'll say Mark Stone, but I haven't really gone in a deep dive in this award yet. So Maybe uh, there's better stats for Bergeon Barkov, but I don't know right yet.
1: Yes, that would be a great pick. I mean, I don't even know who to pick for this either. It, I think it might have to be Stone, but like Barkov's been nominated like so many times. Yeah. Now, and I think it might be his time to kind of win it. I know Stone's a winger and they don't really give it out to wingers. Like it's really rare, but Stone definitely deserves it. But I just like Barkov's been there like what, three or four years in a row now.
0: Nominated,
1: like so it might be his time to kind of take it home. I mean, he did have a great season as well. Florida finished second in the central had a great regular season. He was a big part of that. They had a okay postseason. He was pretty solid during that as well, but I think I'll have to give it to Barkov just cause he's, you know, it's it's kind of time for him to win one yeah. at this point. Yeah.
0: And then Bergeron father time over there winning this award, man, we keep saying it, that award's gotta be his like named
1: us to be they have to rename like half of these awards because i have no <laughs> idea who all of them are <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's very true uh the next one we should know it is Ted Lindsay, one of the founders of the nhl and hlpa but mm-hmm. this one is voted by the players for the mvp of the season and voted in their eyes and it's Sidney crosby connor mcdavid and austin Matthews for this one i would like to think the peers know that connor mcdavid is the best player and is the unanimous decision in this league but you know, maybe some players think Sid's still around. Maybe some players think Matthews, what he did in North Division, is still around. So I'm going to go with McDavid just because I think the uh, the peers in the league and the players in the league know that McDavid is the best player in this league. So I'll say McDavid.
1: And I will jump on that train as well because he is the best player in this league. And uh, I don't know. It's not really close. Um, the guy had 105 points in 56 games. Again, obviously got swept in the playoffs. This is a regular season award. Um McDavid was just on another level this year. That's something we haven't seen in like 25, 30 years, almost the numbers that he put up and everyone's going to say that the North division sucks. And we'll see if that's true when the conference finals, now people could finally roast it if Montreal gets embarrassed. But um, I mean, it still was remarkable. Like I thought McKinnon was going to have like a year, like there's obviously not a hundred points, but like 85 to 90 McKinnon my opinion but then mcdavid said nope i'm still the best player in the league and i'm going to average two points a game this year and he did and the peer should say shit that's pretty good
0: (laughs) literally literally i don't know if we can say the same for like the people who are analysts and watch the game so we'll see uh we talked about this unanimous decision for that award it should be but like I said think there's going to be a hero out there who just votes for some random ass
1: 100 percent, a hero will vote for their own hometown guy
0: 100 um jack adams this one is i think these are i rod brindamore might have been nominated last year but i think this is three new guys this year and it's coach q joel quenville of the florida panthers dean evison of the minnesota wild and rod the bod rod brindamore of the carolina hurricanes who do you have winning this one? Do you have a surprise? Do you think someone else should have gotten nominated for this one, other than these guys? Or it's fair to say these guys all deserved it?
1: I think I was leaning towards one guy, but I think I'm going to go with Dean Evanson just from the fact that of how surprising the Wild were. My runner-up would definitely be Coach Q, um, but just with what Minnesota did, they were such a like an irrelevant franchise. Like they have a they have a good fan base, but like the public, like NHL public. Like, if you're just a hockey fan, you don't care about yeah, the Minnesota yeah, Wild. Yeah. Like They just had nothing really going for them. Like Kaprasov played a big role in that, but so did Dean Embitson, who I alluded to earlier. he I don't know what he did. They don't have a number one center at all, and he managed to get the most out of all the guys that he had at his disposal. Um, obviously, he has that great top four uh, in Minnesota still. They're still a very very good defensive team. Cam Talbot came in and was great with Um, They just played a very structured game. They Their power play was terrible, but their penalty kill was like one of the best in the league, I think. So that comes with, you know, getting more experience. I think this is his first head coaching job. So that's pretty yeah. impressive for him. The other two guys, well, Rod Brindamore is still pretty new to coaching, but Coach Q is a veteran. He would have been my runner up for sure, but I have Dean Evanson winning.
0: yeah i'm going with coach q here i just think what he did with that panthers team like evanson uh obviously uh, coach q has some better players with hubert obarkov you know you have ekblad but ekblad also went down this year and that was a big loss for the florida panthers but they rebounded immensely with him and i just think the coaching style he did with florida and the players he he didn't obviously sign but the i think he influenced some of the guys like duclair wenberg and stuff like that to come over but just the way his team was able to play a fun and full team game top to bottom was very great for that organization. And that's something they needed in that organization. Cause they really haven't had that in a while. And obviously, you know, they lost to Tampa in round one, but he, this guy had the balls to play three different goalies in that series obviously didn't work, but one of the gambles and night saved them for one game. But I mean, the play, the playoffs uh, kind of stopped that award from voting and it was voted before that, but I just think what he did there, uh, they got second place in the division. Joel Quenville's my winner, that one.
1: Yeah. Uh like I said, wouldn't be surprised if either of these guys win. Like you said, the coach Q argument is really good, especially since this is a second year there. He they really helped break the ship there with his systems and got the most out of guys like Carter Verhege who had a career yeah. year. Sam Bennett got there and it was instant impact in the regular season. Great season for Marenak. Vlad mckenzie Weger emerged into more than just a analytical uh, <laughs> boyfriend of many people. Bro. Um, Yeah, and like you said, the three-goalie system didn't work in the playoffs, but I think now they see what they have in Spencer Knight. Yeah. They're not going to re-sign Dridger, and unfortunately they have that Bobrovsky contract weighing down the team. Now, like, that's the not cool Q, though. It's not no, no, it's not Coach Q, but yeah. just like it's unfortunate because he has to work around that because that's yeah. 10 million <laughs> as like a tandem potentially next year.
0: Man, that's gonna suck. I mean, like Coach Q can't do anything about it, and he has to put him in the lineup because you can't sit a ten point five million dollar goalkeeper in the press box. Yeah. So um we'll go to the heart now. I think this is the last one we have, and it is McDavid Matthews McKinnon triple M right there. I mean, we said it before. I think it's McDavid's award to lose. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's enough power in the hockey world outside of the people on the ice to make Matthews or McKinnon make win this one, because I think McDavid, what he did this year was incredible. So, I mean, like I said, I don't think it's good. The only thing I think it won't be in this award is unanimous because there's obviously going to be one hero out there, but like, is there a zero, zero, zero chance Matthews or McKinnon get this? Yes. Yeah, okay. I was going to say the same thing. I just didn't know. Like, like, is there enough traction? Like,
1: I'm pretty sure, like, everyone's seen what – even though we live here in Canada, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen what he did and the numbers he put up. I mean, this is not based on the peers. This is media now. Yeah. So th- no one else is going to win this with how historic a goal season, uh, scoring season Matthews had, it just, he had 40 points less still than McKinnon. (laughs) I mean, the McDavid, McDavid still had like 33, 34 goals. So it's not like he had like 10 goals and a hundred assists. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the difference. Like obviously Matthews was amazing. Like they'll never see a leaf season like that ever again. Probably not for goal scoring. But like, again, McDavid had like, eight goals less but he had 40 more points so like there's the difference
0: okay so i'll ask you the question what awards closer the ted Lindsay voting or the heart voting
1: this should be the ted Lindsay. yeah the heart should be unanimous
0: yeah the people watching the game should know that this guy's definitely better but the people playing the game i mean if you verse matthews multiple times you yeah, like, also verse mcdavid twice but like yeah
1: the thing with like the thing with matthews too is that like he is the best goal scorer in the league so players are going to give him like that respect too you know what I mean so like since it's voted on by the players they're going to know like this guy like when he's on like no one can stop him from scoring doesn't matter how or how many like that's the that's the thing so that's why I think the heart could be unanimous but the Ted Lindsay well, McDavid should and will win, but there's going to be more kind of discrepancy there.
0: How people are just forgetting about, like, we're just forgetting about Crosby and McKinnon in the conversation. Like, we're just like, okay, it's just Matthews, McDavid.
1: Oh yeah, unfortunately, this is the year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but those guys did was historic. That's why nothing Crosby or McKinnon yeah. did was historic.
0: It's just, I guess, normal.
1: Yeah, like if that's like their level, like Crosby, you could say obviously deserves the nomination because he was so critical for the Penguins winning the East Division and, you know, without Malkin there for like half the year. And obviously he's not getting any younger. So you hmm. see, he's nominated. Like, that's just my view on it. Like, it's two guys this year for all the awards, the major ones. And yeah. That's what it is.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. So that's been the awards segment predicting the awards. I don't think there's any more getting not, or brought up. So I think we covered all of them. But we had one more thing. We we're talking about McKinnon. And, you know, I guess we could do the what you say right now. So Jason, what are we playing? You and you found this one. I didn't actually hear this one. I just heard the one where he was like, um, I not won jack shit. That was pretty funny. But there's better apparently out there. So I mean, I don't even think we need really an explanation. I think you guys just hear it right now. Yeah, hear
1: it. Hey, you know, I
0: know you're a gamer and uh, and all this, and uh, you know, I'm just thinking maybe out loud as far as in your shoes right now. It's like, all right, we've done all the thing we can do. We've done all the game planning we can do. Maybe, maybe you know, just fuck it. We'll just go in next year and just not think that anymore and just win this thing when we don't think so much. Is that? Am I on the right path at all with this? Like, maybe you just guys think a little too much yeah so you originally told me about this i didn't hear about it but like what a guy i mean that
1: guy must have been on something like i, I that's like a fan talking like, <laughs> like the guy's so frustrated he didn't even know what he was saying and they just said ah oh, fuck it <laughs> you guys overthink and he's like no
0: yeah the answer is the best part because he just like he's so pissed on the answer and he wants like a good answer. No.
1: And the guy is an absolute gamer. Like he gets so pissed. Like when he was on spitting chicklets at times, he, he would have stories of him just like having meltdowns on the bench. So, you know, he got that question and was trying his hardest not to like rip the guys. Yeah. Zoom call or something or break the
0: screen. Yeah. He, well, McKinnon definitely knew who that was.
1: Yeah, he knew who he was, but like he's probably like he's such a fiery guy. That's yeah. even just from everyone that says that he's very competitive. <laughs> he had to probably restrain himself from punching that screen <laughs> after yeah. listening to that.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating when you lose four straight games at any level of hockey, especially in the second round versus the Vegas Golden Knights. So I think that's been it. I mean, that's what you say. I don't think we have a hot take unless you do have one.
1: No, I'm not jinxing anything, so there's been I, no I, hot takes today or this I, week.
0: I, I kind of figured your hot take would be on that Vegas-Montreal series, but hey, it's okay.
1: Yeah, no jinxing.
0: <laughs> All right, so I guess that's been end-to-end, but do you have any articles coming out? I know I did. I have the Toffoli one that just came out, so he's been a solid player for the Montreal Canadiens. Best signing in the league for sure, but do you have any other content baseball hockey-wise?
1: Yeah, I'll have the – I've been kind of slacking on the on the pickups and ads. I've been really busy with work and other things. So, I'll have that a new one out on Monday. Um, Hockey-related, I may do a, a write-up on the expansion draft. I don't yeah. know if we've done that yet.
0: No, we should do that in an episode, yeah.
1: Yeah, we could either do that in an episode or I could just do, like, potential targets and then we could just expand on it in
0: an episode. Yeah, we should definitely do that.
1: Yeah so maybe that will come down either the pipeline either this week or before the end of the playoffs
0: yeah that's fine yeah i'm good with that um from my standpoint to foley article as i just mentioned and then i don't think we'll be pre- previewing the conference finals because i think that's way, way too close of a turnaround but definitely the stanley cup finals we'll get into once those two teams make it out of the conference final and we'll get an article running there. Obviously, the expansion draft, the actual draft, free agency, everything's coming up in the next couple of months. So sports is pretty good right now. We have NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and obviously the Euro Cup is on. So that's a big attraction to the world. That's been n We will be back. Next week. Join us then. Woo!